Thank you for tuning into this week's message. Here at Velocity, we love to hear about your life change. So if you have a story about how God has made a move in your life or impacted your life in any way, send an email to amen at findvelocity.org. We hope this message inspires you and builds your faith. Now let's lean in and enjoy the message. Well, today I have a message that God has put on my heart that I'm excited to get to share with you, but whenever I get the opportunity to speak, I feel like I should tell you a little bit about myself. You know, things that wouldn't normally come up in conversation. Now, my husband tells all kinds of things about me all the time, and people ask me if that bothers me, and I'm like, nah, no, because it's true. Like, I don't like to go to the dentist. That's not a shocking fact, but... I was trying to think, what could I tell you guys today to kind of, one, calm my nerves and get you to warm up and love me this morning? And so I thought, I know, I'll take it back to 2003. Actually, I'll take it back to 1999. That was when I was a freshman in college. And I went to school to, I graduated with a degree in education. But I did not start off with um, education as my major. In fact, I started off to be a nurse. Not a school nurse, but an OB nurse. That's what I wanted to do with my life. But the school I went to did not have a nursing program, and so I was taking gen ed classes. And um, somewhere in the fall semester, when I sat down and met with my academic advisor, and we were planning what the next semester would be like, she told me just how much science I would have to take. Like I was already in science, but there was a whole lot more science to come. And then she told me that because of the way I did it, I actually was gonna be in school for five years, not four. Now I had only committed to the four year plan, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go to teaching, okay? That's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna be a teacher. No nights, no weekends, you get your summers off. Sounded like a great plan to me. So I wish I could tell you that I went into teaching because I love our future and I love shaping little learners' minds and making an impact. Nope, I went into teaching because I didn't want to take science and because I love school supplies, <laughs> particularly planners. I love a great planner. And even though I am not a teacher now, I still faithfully use planners. In fact, my planners go from July to June, so I just opened a new one, and it's like Christmas all over again. And planners are great because planners lead to plans. And to me, having a plan is a must-have. I like to know the plan. I really like to create a plan. A plan will keep you moving in life. A plan keeps surprises from happening to you or things catching you off guard. A plan helps you win at life. And I really like to win at life. But I don't think that that makes me so different than most people because I bet if I took a poll right now, many of you would say you too like to win at life. Even if you are not a big user of a planner, even if you're not a big planner type person, most people have a strategy for how they are going to win at life. I have never, ever met someone who was like, you know what, my biggest dream in life is to fail. I'm going to go ahead and go to school for four or five years and spend all this money and all this time and invest all this effort and work to land my dream job just so that I can be unemployed in five years. If that is your dream, 
please reach out to our prayer team right now. They are online. They are ready to help you. We will have prayer partners at the back as you leave today. Do not leave with that being your biggest dream. Well, as Justin said, we are celebrating our 17th anniversary today. And I can promise you that at 4 p.m., 17 years ago today, I was not standing at the altar holding his hand, thinking of my exit strategy. In fact, I was doing quite the opposite. We were planning a lifetime together and how we would win at life. We never make plans for how our children are going to make bad choices and screw up their life. We never have a plan for our finances tanking and leaving us in a place that we don't want to be. We don't have a plan for cancer and sickness and death to steal from us. But yet you don't have to have lived very much life to know that life doesn't always turn out like you hoped it would. In fact, Jesus tells us this in John 16, verse 33. He says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. It is good to have a plan in life, but what happens when what we're waiting for doesn't happen? What happens to our plan when it gets delayed or it doesn't turn out like we thought it would or in the time frame that we want? If all we plan for in life is to win, then when the struggle comes, it could knock you out. It could take you back a few years. It could cause you great pain. Struggles are attached to this life, and we are going to face disappointments, heartaches, heartbreak. We're going to have unfair and painful things happen to us. There are going to be things that come at us that we shouldn't ever have to face, but the reality is it's going to happen. And so my question for you today is, do you have a plan for your pain? Are you going to be able to combat your conflict? Can you move from struggle to strength? And if you are taking notes this morning, that is the title of my message, From Struggle to Strength. It seems like lately every book I've read, which actually is only one, and really I didn't read it, I listened to it, and every sermon podcast that I've listened to has been about the life of Joseph. Now, I know the story of Joseph, but it's not been one that I've really spent a lot of time studying. But as I started listening to these sermons and this book, his story really started to captivate me. Because if anyone could understand what it was like to struggle in life, I think it would have been Joseph. Now, if you aren't familiar with his story, it's found in the book of um, Genesis, which is the first book in the Bible. And it starts in chapter 37. And I'm not going to read any of his story to you today because that would be a lot of reading. And I already said I don't like to read. So I'm just going to summarize it for you. You see, Joseph, he was the son of his father, Jacob, and his wife, his favorite wife, Rachel. Joseph had many brothers, and his father was not very good at hiding the fact that Joseph was his favorite. He loved him so much that he even gave him this beautiful coat of many colors. But even though Joseph's father loved him greatly, his brothers didn't like him. In fact, the Bible says that they hated him. Well, Joseph not only had favor with his father, he had favor with God. 
And God gave Joseph a gift that allowed him to see dreams and interpret them. And one day Joseph told his brothers that he had a dream that they were all gathering wheat together. And and then his bundle stood up tall and all of their bundles were bowing down to his. And a while later he told them that he had another dream that the sun and the moon and the stars all bowed to him. Now if you you are already not very well liked by your brothers and you go and tell them that they're going to bow down to you, it's probably not going to go over very well. And it didn't. His older brothers had enough of Joseph and his dreams, and so they plotted to get rid of him. They, end up, they threw him into a pit, and they ended up selling him to some gypsies. Here Joseph's life was going along just fine. I'd even say it was going great. He had his father's love, he had great clothes, he had this amazing gift, and then all of a sudden, he's plucked from his life and thrown into a pit. And whether by choice or circumstance, things happen to us in life where we are plucked from our plush and comfy places and we are thrown into a pit. Joseph finds himself in this pit and everything seems bad. But what if it was the pit that allowed Joseph to learn to submit to God. You see, he no longer is living under the favor and protection of his dad. He was alone in the pit. And what if being alone in the pit taught Joseph to submit to God? And what if we allowed the pits in our life to teach us to submit? Now, I know submission is not a popular word. We like the idea that we are in control, that we do it our own way. We like to be our own boss, our own authority. We don't like the idea that we submit to anyone else. But if we're going to have a strategy where we can move from struggle to strength in life, then we have to start with submitting our will to God's will. Now, submission, it simply means to yield. It means you yield to the authority of another. It means I yield to your will, God. I yield to what you want for me. And it is easy to submit to God when life is going great, when life leads us to blessings. But what about when submitting to God leads us to the pit? Now, let me be very clear with you this morning. I am not suggesting that God leads us to a pit or causes us to go into a pit. But I do think... Just as earthly parents allow kids to make choices and have consequences for those choices, our Heavenly Father does the same for us. Other times, it's just things in life that have happened. It is not God putting you in the pit. The pit is not a pleasant place to be in. It will leave you feeling lonely, rejected, forgotten. It's in the pit that you'll start to doubt, did I really hear from God? It's in the pit where you're going to cry out, God, this wasn't supposed to happen to me. We really like it when our steps lead us to blessings and good things. But what about when the steps lead you to a pit? Can you still submit? Psalms 37, 23 says, The steps of a good and righteous man are directed and established by the Lord. Jesus was the greatest man to have ever lived. He was sinless. He knew no wrong. And yet, if the steps of a good man led him to the cross, 
Are you okay if to get to where God wants to take you, you have to go through a pit? You will have seasons in life where you are in the pit, but allow those times to teach you what it means to submit to God's plan for your life. Trust in God's sovereignty, that he is in control of it all, that his ways are, in fact, higher and better than your ways. If you want to move from struggle to strength, then you have got to learn to submit. And once you've learned to submit, you've got to learn to stay faithful. That is something as a culture that we struggle with. It is so easy and so convenient when we don't like something or something offends us or we've lost interest to just change course. But if we want to move from a place of struggle to a place of strength, we have to learn to stay faithful. You see, after his brothers threw him into the pit, some gypsies bought Joseph, and he was taken to Egypt to become a slave. And he gets sold to this man named Potiphar. Potiphar is this very high-ranking military official for Pharaoh. And God's favor and blessing on Joseph never left him. And so even though he was sold as a slave, he rises to great power in Potiphar's house. And he ends up getting put in charge of the whole house. Joseph didn't own the house. He gained nothing from serving in the house, from running the house. Yet he was faithful to do what God put in front of him. He submitted himself to God and he stayed faithful to what God had given him to do. But even though he was in a position of great blessing, it doesn't mean that it was easy for him. Because Potiphar's wife had a few ideas of her own of how Joseph could serve her. And she made it no secret day after day, and Joseph kept turning her down. Until one day when she catches him alone in the house, and she grabs his coat. And Joseph wanted no part of this desperate housewife, so he slips out of the coat, and he runs away. Well, now, Mrs. Potiphar, who I'm convinced would have been a great cast member on The Real Housewives of Egypt, was probably feeling quite angry, quite embarrassed, and she's probably used to manipulating situations. So what does she do? She's left holding the coat, and a servant comes in, so she starts screaming that Joseph tried to rape her. So Potiphar comes home and believes his wife and gets so mad that he throws Joseph into prison. So here Joseph is being falsely accused. He's doing the right thing, yet all the wrong things are happening to him. I wonder if any of you today can relate to that feeling. He goes from a moment of winning at life to being thrown into prison. I don't know about you, but when bad things happen to me and my life doesn't go how I want it to go, I tend to want to take my ball and go home. You know, I'd rather not play at all than have to play hurt. And I think if many of us can take off our church face for a moment, we could agree that when we find ourselves in a struggle, it's just easier to disengage, to just walk away, to create space, to avoid the hurt, to not have to deal with the feelings and the real root of the issue. But if God is ever going to trust you with more, with bigger blessings, with more responsibilities, then you have got to learn to stay faithful to the thing that he has given you in the moment. And I think some of us can't find the thing that God wants us to do because we're so busy bouncing from here to there to there to there. And God's like, I can't keep up with you. 
You've got to stay faithful to the thing that I've given you. The Bible says that he who is planted by streams of living water will bear fruit. In order to bear fruit, you've got to plant yourself somewhere. You've got to allow roots to grow down deep. It breaks my heart when I see people going through a hard time and the first thing that they do is disengage from the church. Now, I fully admit to you, I am a church girl. I was born on a Sunday, and I've been in church ever since. I love the Capital C Church. I love the house. I love getting to gather here with you on a Sunday. It's never been a question of, are you going to church today? Yes. If those doors are unlocked, I'm going to be there. You will find me in church. I'll save you a seat. There's no place that I'd rather be. So maybe I'm not very impartial when it comes to this, but it's the house. It's the church. It's the people that are here that have walked with me through some of the hardest times in my life. And I wouldn't be here today if I hadn't made a decision years ago to be planted in the house of God. And when people pull away from the church, when the struggle comes, I'm like, the, the one place you should press into, the one place that can help you stand in faith, the one place that people can pray for you, the one place that people can wrap their arms around you and come alongside you and walk through hell with you, you want to pull away? That's a horrible strategy. When the struggle comes, you cannot disengage from the house. You've got to dig in deep. It may be hard. It may be uncomfortable. But stay faithful and surround yourself with the right people. Go in with your whole heart. Stay connected. Stay faithful. Stick it out when you want to and when you don't want to. In every area, not just the church. Do it in your, your marriages. Do it with your job. Do it with your finances, with your children. Because God will not give you what's next until you learn to be faithful with what's now. Joseph said, Joseph said, it's not going my way, but I'm going to give it my whole heart. He had every reason to feel sorry for himself. In fact, he had every reason to blame others. He could have blamed his dad, his brothers, thirsty Mrs. Potiphar. He could have even blamed Mr. Potiphar, but he didn't. He made a choice to stay faithful to who he was. He didn't allow the circumstances of life to reshape who he was. He made the choice that he would be faithful and bring who he was to every circumstance. He, fa he stays faithful, and even when he ends up in prison again, the hand of the Lord is still upon him. He ends up gaining favor with the warden and is put in charge over two other prisoners. And these two prisoners happen to be Pharaoh's top officials. And they're having some crazy dreams. And guess who gets called on to interpret the dreams? Joseph. So the dreams he interpreted, they come to pass, and he asks Pharaoh's officials, hey, will you remember me to Pharaoh so that I can get out of jail? And they said they would, and a few more years pass. Two years pass. He's been in the pit, sold into slavery, wrongfully accused, back in jail, still has to wait. Well, eventually, Pharaoh starts having some dreams, and his official remembers Joseph. 
So he's brought before Pharaoh, and because God has given him this amazing gift, Joseph is able to tell Pharaoh what his dream meant. He said he's going to have seven years of abundance, and then he's going to have seven years of famine. And if he doesn't take time to prepare for the famine while in abundance, then the whole nation will die. Pharaoh was so pleased by what Joseph said that he made Joseph in charge of his whole house and his people and his land. The only person higher than Joseph was Pharaoh. And for the next seven years, Joseph gathered up all the abundance and stored it. Now, it had been about 15 years from the time Joseph had his dream where we find him now. And so much life had happened to him. But the one dream he had as a young boy still hadn't happened to him. But here, he's interpreted another man's dream, and he's going to be the one to fulfill that dream while his dream is still unfulfilled. Let me ask you, if you want to move from a place of struggle to a place of strength, can you serve someone else's vision while waiting on yours to come to pass? The Bible says what you make happen for others, he will make happen for you. So can you bless someone else while you're waiting on your blessing? Can you help someone heal from rejection while you are still waiting to heal? Can you bandage someone's wounds while you still have wounds? Can you make happen for others what no one else has made happen for you? Can you still be in your struggle and willing to help others in their struggle. Joseph was able to serve uh, Pharaoh, and seven years of abundance came, and then seven years of famine, but because Joseph was in the position he was in, Egypt had food. And wouldn't you know it, eventually his brothers got hungry. So Joseph's dad sends his brothers to Egypt because he has heard that there was food there. And when the brothers show up, the Bible says that Joseph ran out of the room and wept when he saw them. Joseph sends them away and tells them to come back with their younger brother. And long story short, when they come back, Joseph says, I'm your brother. And guess what happens? All of his brothers bowed down to him, and the dream that he had in his heart was fulfilled. The struggle in Joseph's life was not pushing him away from his destiny. The struggle in Joseph's life was pulling him towards his destiny. Because if he hadn't been in the prison, he never would have interpreted Pharaoh's dream. But he wouldn't have been in prison if he hadn't been in Potiphar's house and falsely accused. And he wouldn't have been falsely accused if he hadn't been sold by some gypsies. And he never would have been sold by some gypsies if he hadn't been thrown into the pit. Do you see where I'm trying to take you today? The struggle was not pushing him away from his destiny. It was pulling him towards his destiny the whole time. Not once had God forgotten Joseph and the promise that he had given him. But there is often a struggle as we move towards strength. Joseph was a young 17-year-old teenage boy when God gave him a dream. And when it finally came to pass, he was around 40 years old. That was 23 years of holding on to a promise. That was 23 years of Joseph's believing so wholly in a future promised that nothing could shake his present circumstances. 
often we see and compare ourselves to other people and we think, oh, if only I could be like that. If I could have that life, that blessing, if maybe I would have been dealt those cards, then maybe this would be better. Can I tell you something today, friends? You don't know the struggles that they've walked through. You don't know what they've endured, what they've sacrificed on the way, but I can assure you of this. They have walked through some struggles. And I think God loves to use strugglers. I think he loves to find somebody that has walked through the fire and just kept walking. I think he likes to find people that have faced rejection and they just kept serving. For people that have felt lonely but they just kept pushing to break through. I wonder today if we have any strugglers here that can say, no matter what comes my way, no matter what happens to me on the journey, no matter what life throws at me, I'm going to submit. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to serve. I'm going to just keep moving because I know I might be struggling today in this moment, but I know that it's in the struggle that God can move me to strength. Thank you so much for joining us for this teaching at Velocity. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss out on more great messages just like this one. If today's message impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others with the message of Jesus, go to findvelocity.org backslash give and you can partner with us financially. Thanks again for tuning in. Have an amazing week, Velocity. And remember, wherever you are, just keep moving forward.